You're listening to WCOMLP 103.5 FM Carborough and Chapel Hill. It's a Tuesday, it's five o'clock, and that only means one thing. It's time for another round of Snarky Faith with your host, Stuart Deloney. This is a space where we irreverently wrestle through life, culture, and spirituality, all with our heads in the clouds, our tongues in our cheeks, our hearts in our sleeves, and our feet on the ground. At Snarky Face, the questions or even the answers are never the point. It's all about the conversation. So here's your host, Stuart Deloney. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another round of Snarky Faith Radio. I'm your host, Stuart Deloney. And, and, hey, as I welcome you to the show, I also want to welcome you to 2020. That's right. New Year. Same craziness that we will be talking through here on the show. The times may change, but the lunatics within the faith don't. Kind of wish they would. Kind of wish you'd have, like, some of these folks, like Franklin Graham, having New Year's resolutions, like, hmm, my resolution this year is to um, be less warmongering and bigoted. Um, Or Jim Baker, I want to learn from my mistakes and stop embezzling money and cheating out people. You kind of wish that's how it would go. But it doesn't. And there's more crazy to continue to delve into. But before we hop to that, as I am welcoming you into this new year, and if you are a new listener, welcome to Snarky Faith. This is a show where we poke at the insanity that has become Christianity and really try to spin it around and find where is the logic and where is there no logic within Christianity today. Got it? Got it? So if you're new here, welcome. If you're not new here, hey, welcome back. Welcome back. And speaking of folks that are not new here, I wanted just to do this. I wanted to, I don't always talk about mail that we receive here. Not M-A-L-E, M-A-I-L. I mean, I'm willing to receive whatever's coming our way. That really sounded creepy. Didn't mean it that way. Thanks, homophones. That's just kind of the way the English language works. So, sorry. Let's focus here. Focus here. We're moving forward. And I wanted just to highlight a couple people that have just kind of made my, made my life better recently. Um, through very interesting stuff they have sent me. Um, and so if you ever have stuff to be able to comment from this show, you can always send emails to questions at snarkyfaith.com. Comes to me directly. I answer them directly. Answer them eventually directly. I'm not always the fastest at it, so it's not personal. It's just life. But first of all, I had an amazing letter from a listener, Kelly. I don't out you guys completely, but I just want to say, hey, hey, Kelly, I really appreciate you sharing your story. And it is a beautiful thing when people are able to kind of share their stories, their journeys. And it's also a brave thing as well, too. So, Kelly, thank you. I really, really appreciate that. Um, Also, continued love to Ron and Angie, who always send me articles and other interesting tidbits to add here to this show. And lastly, just want to send another shout out to the sister from another mister, uh, my favorite mother, Superior. You know who you are. I appreciate you. So now all this love fest is over. Uh, no, 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 no more love this hour. We have no more love to give this hour. We have a show talking about Christianity, and we're not going to talk about love. Why? Why? Why would we do that? Because that's where the modern state of Christianity is today. Love has no part of it. Ooh, is that where we're going? Kind of, kind of. So I'm going to lay out before you uh, my general intentions for this hour and beyond. 
Uh, for the amount of information that I believe that we're going to talk through, this is going to end up being a two-part episode. If I talk too fast or if something else occurs and uh, maybe the rapture happens, this may be the only one you're going to get. But most likely, we're going to do a part one and a part two to this because we're going to go on a kind of a, a meandering journey through the state of where we find ourselves within American Christianity and why the bombings in Iran make sense to American Christianity. Not to anybody else, but to American Christianity. You kind of see where we're going to go here. So we're going to kind of march through a lot of evangelical villainous of what's been happening lately. And then we're eventually going to find ourselves in what the hell is going on with Iran and are you really marching towards World War III? Ah! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's going to be that kind of a fun day, but we're going to pepper it. Don't worry. You are listening to a show called Snarky Faith. So there will be plenty of snark, some faith, and other things uh, in betwixt all of those things as we talk through this hour. So everyone got this? We're kind of on board for this. And if you were listening over terrestrial radio over here locally in Chapel Hill and Carborough, just realize if you want to hear part two, you will either need to tune in again next week or go to www.snarkyfaith.com where this uh, broadcast and all future and past podcasts reside. They live there like in a zoo. It's almost like I'm there locked in perpetuum in the uh, form of a MP3. So, yes, that got weird. Weirder than it needed to be. So I think so far in 2020, <laughs> my brain's going to weird places uh, because we've got a lot of information we're going to be going through. But before we get to that, uh, what we want to do is kick off, is kick off the show, as we do most shows, with a smattering of the Christian crazy. Now, now, I will warn you, there's a lot of Christian crazy that is going to be throughout the entire show as we march down this. But this, 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 what we have here is, is, is the craziest that doesn't really fit logic. It doesn't fit reason. It, it just deserves to be in our opening segment the christian crazy because because it is just nuts and the best way for us to be able to handle it is to kind of dissect it a bit and make fun of it because really that's our catharsis and my main reason for behind doing all this is it is fun to make fun of the crazy christians but most 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 importantly beyond the fact that I do believe that mockery is my spiritual gift. I do want to be able to paint a stark difference between where we are at with cultural American Christianity and then where we are at with historical Christianity and how those two, those two aren't even related anymore. They're, they're, there's so much, there's so much of a gap between the two. I just really feel like they are moving in opposite directions where the lines will never cross again, but who knows? I've already said too much. So before I say any more, let's go ahead and hop into the Christian crazy. Here we go. Claude Hammers, the Lord is my shepherd. He know what I want. So... I'm going to go ahead and start off our Christian crazy here with, with a little bit of kind of the shallow end of crazy, just to kind of give a little bit of context why we do some of the things we do on here. Um, so these are, uh, I, I recently kind of took a week off the show for the holidays. And uh, what I tend to do in my normal posture uh, for prepping for shows is I just, I just 
every day looking through the news and I just send myself articles, articles, articles. So <laughs> after having a week off the show, I'm a bit like article constipated, so to speak. So I, I have much, much, much to kind of unleash here. And, and we'll be connecting a lot of this together, hopefully, as we go through this. Um, but as, as the year ended last year, uh, as 2019 came to a close, I saw this. I saw this, which I think is just, it's interesting, and I want us to kind of just, just delve through this a bit. Um, especially when we're talking today a lot about the evangelical mindset. Um, and this is an article from the Christian Post saying that Fellowship of Christian Athletes, FCA, distributed over 190,000 Bibles in 2019, which all of the evangelicals should have a round of applause. Oh my goodness, look what they did. They distributed so many Bibles. Look at it. <laughs> They're one of the largest distributors of the Bible in the world. Good Lord, you should continue to give to these folks so they can continue to do whatever work that they do in FCA. So why, why this bothers me? Um, two things, two reasons. Um, first of all, uh, it doesn't completely connect to it, but I really believe it does. Uh, this comes from a memory I had back when I was a, when I was a freshman, this many, many moons ago, uh, many, 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 many moons ago. Um, I was, uh, for my undergrad at the university of Georgia. And I remember one of my first weeks on campus, they had the Gideons were there handing out Bibles. They were distributing Bibles on campus. And they were doing it in such a way as you walk by the student center, they were just kind of just shoving it in your face. And so most people, and to not be rude, grabbed it. But you could actually see this probably about 10 to 15 feet away from the student center, the student union, the trash cans were full of Bibles. So when we begin to use a metric for evangelism or walking out the gospel of Jesus Christ, the fact that we've distributed Bibles really doesn't mean anything. This is an absolutely useless metric. But it is a useful metric to ministries like this to continue to brag about what they are doing. For me, even back in the day, that grieved the hell out of me going like, what is the point of any of this? Uh, yes, because they will say, we distributed so many Bibles, but also they went directly into the trash. Um, but secondly, secondly, as being a person who years later worked for an evangelistic organization, much like FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, they were always, the organization I worked for and others are always looking for a metric to brag about. Now, this isn't, there's, there's not really a metric on spiritual growth, about life change, about all those kind of stuff. No, 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 those things aren't good metrics that we have, but we need to be able to push out a metric that is going to make our donors so horny that they continue to give us money. And this, this being highlighted in the Christian Post is one of those horny evangelism numbers. Over 190 Bibles, you say? One of the largest distributors of Bibles, you say? Oh my goodness, this is life-changing what they are doing. There's a difference between life change and the gospel and handing out Bibles. Is all I'm going to say. Is all I'm going to say. So this is kind of giving those, especially New Year, new listeners, uh, giving you guys an idea of why we break down these things. Why we break down these things. Because... Now, on the surface, they may seem something, they may see something that like, makes Christians all really excited, but actually, if you just barely scrape below the surface, they're absolutely meaningless. They're meaningless. But there's stuff that ends up being like Christian clickbait. You want to know more about Christian clickbait? Well, this, well, this on Fox News, because I did. I tell you, I read news from all sorts of sources. They had this just a few days ago. 
uh, on Fox News. Story. So good. Quote, here's, their, here's the title of this. Uh, Bible Memory Man shares three tips for memorizing scripture in 2020. That's right. The Bible Memory Man, who supposedly is Tom Meyer, who's memorized 20 books of the Bible. <laughs> he's, he's the Bible Memory Man. And he is also, he's also connected to the Creation Museum because every museum needs a guy that has memorized scripture. Now, again, I am not getting to any, any issues here on talking about why memorizing scripture is good or bad or otherwise. But I will say this. I will say this from my experience. And this is something that I really feel like hits to the heart of a lot of the problems that happen within evangelical Christianity, especially conservative Christianity as well. There is a huge emphasis on memorizing scripture. Now, before you uh, grab your torches and pitchforks, there's nothing wrong with memorizing scripture in, in itself, right? It's, it's good to be able to memorize things. Um, but, but, what I've noticed, what I've noticed from being around kind of this brand of Christianity for many years, from being raised around it, is this. Is they put a huge emphasis on memorizing scripture, knowing what scripture says. But the biggest point, the biggest point that is missed you can memorize the entire Bible. I don't care that he's memorized 20 books of the Bible. Whatever. I don't even care. Memorizing scripture doesn't do crap. It doesn't do anything. You might as well memorize... Uh, hell, you could memorize 50 Shades of Grey. You could, you could memorize uh, the thesaurus. I, I don't care. But see, when you have Christians that become so obsessed with the Bible that all they want to do is memorize it, but they have no damn idea what it means or what it calls people to do, that's a problem. They get so like self-masturbatory about this. Oh, look at what we've done. Look at all of this. I've memorized so many scriptures. God's word is in my heart. So what does God's word tell you to do? That's not the point. I've memorized the scripture. No, the entire like this is missing the entire point of the Bible of scripture. The Bible is not a means to be able to justify your hatred and bigotry. The Bible is not a means for you to be able to feel pious and wonderful that you have memorized all of this. No, it's not. No. It, the Bible essentially is saying this. If, if you are a follower of God, get off your ass and do something to hopefully make the world a better place. That does not include judging, shaming, and being hateful to other people. So... Bible memory, memorization man, memorize all the stuff you want. Fox News, talk about, oh, like, why it's so wonderful to memorize scripture. Let's really talk about the heart of the matter is do what scripture tells you to effing do. If you're not, what's the point of memorizing a bunch of words that just make you feel religious and pious and better than other people? Because I will tell you, I've been in plenty of churches where you have folks almost shaming you for not being able to memorize all of this wonderful scripture, but the folks really not understanding at all what the words say or what they mean or what God is calling the people to do. If there are people that are hurt and they are marginalized and they are forgotten in your community and you are not out helping them, giving them dignity, feeding them, helping them move from where they're at, and those people realizing that they are made in God's image and they are worthy of dignity and love and compassion, then memorizing all the scripture doesn't matter anything. 
as these Christians just want to philosophize, but I'm going to get to heaven and God's going to ask me, how much scripture did you memorize? And God's going to say, well done, my faithful servant. No, God's going to say, did you feed these people? Did you help these people? Did you, did you go out and, and be self-sacrificial towards, towards making change? Did you make the world a better place? No, you sat around reading and memorizing scripture. Oh, you completely missed the point. Face palm, God size. Uh, okay, now that I got that off my chest, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Again, I told you, maybe I've been a little pent up from all the Christian crazy that hasn't been unleashed. I've told you this is my therapy. I've told you this is my catharsis. So, now that you've gotten a taste why the Christian crazy exists, let's hop into some real crazy. And this is some real crazy uh, that that was just that was like the shallow end, the baby pool of crazy. But as we begin to move towards the real crazy, here's what we're gonna do. Uh, we're gonna find a theme here. We're gonna find a theme moving forward here with with our Christian crazy, and it's gonna thrust us into a larger amount of evangelical crazy, especially in regards to the president. Because again, we don't generally talk about politics on the show. Well, actually, wait, no. We do generally talk about politics on the show, but we only talk about politics when it intersects with faith and religion. And, and, in the rise of the orange-bloated messiah, that is Donald Trump, we've seen how though that confluence has become larger and larger and larger. It's always been there, but it's just gotten a hell of a lot worse. So, I'm going to set you out on some crazy. It's going to make your mind explode. Makes my mind explode. So we'll make it as snarky as possible. So first off with the sound bites, we have the granddaddy of crazy, Jim Baker. And you may ask, why are we even doing this kind of thing here on the show? <laughs> I don't really care. It's my show and I have the microphone. Oh, sad dear. No. This encapsulates everything. It's, I, I honestly should just go ahead and drop the mic after this. We talk about Christian crazy. Nothing gets crazier than what is about to come out of Jim Baker's mouth. Don't believe me? Jim, take it away there, buddy. Trump is a test whether you're even saved. Mm. <laughs> Only saved people can love Trump. <laughs> no, you got to be really saved. You got to forgive. You got to be able to forgive. You forgive when you're saved. So now... In order to be a follower of Jesus, the requirement, they've, 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 they've kind of moved the goalpost here. So the requirement now, if I'm getting this straight, is that you must love Trump. He is, he is the litmus test. He is the litmus test for obesity. No, no, sorry, sorry. No, no. Um, infidelity. No, 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 not that test. Not that test. Um, immorality. No, no, not that test. Oh, that Christianity. That's the T that we have here. So yes. So based upon this, based upon what we're hearing here, yes. If you love Trump, you love Jesus, and if you don't, mm, sorry. See you in hell. Mm-hmm. 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 See where we're going with this. See where we're going here. Mm. Why does she do that? Why does Tammy Faye Jr. keep doing that? 
I'm sorry. It's just so creepy and weird. <laughs> I won't do that again today. I promise. I promise. <laughs> no more. No more. But what we're seeing here is this weird movement within the faith to be able to kind of make new markers. Uh, in the past, it was that, yes, that Jesus was a representation of God. Jesus was a taste of what God's nature was like. And now our litmus test has moved. It's moved. But also, if you notice what's happened, and as what we continue to see happen is this, is the story changes. So what is happening here that Jim Baker is doing, and we're going to see in a few others as well, is that he is saying to be able to embrace Trump, warts and scabies and herpes and all, to embrace him requires forgiveness. And what this is, is this is a new tactic. This is a new tactic that we see for his evangelical followers being able to say, oh, well, we need to be able to forgive what he's done. Forget his past. Look what he's done in the courts. Look what he's done for us in passing things that require 10 to 20 flushes. If you listen to Trump and his weird rants lately on toilets and water conservation. So what we're going to now see from this, okay, so you're kind of seeing there's a slight little change here in what we're talking about with Trump. Now, we have people that believe he's the guy that God's put there, but they're also going to kind of go like, well, it's kind of becoming increasingly harder to be able to defend him. So, so, um, Jim Baker laid out, if you don't love him, you're not a Christian. Now, Kenneth Copeland, now again, you have to realize this. Don't, if you don't even know who Kenneth Copeland is, we're only really dealing in this, the trash, like the trashiest scumbags of like televangelistic Christianity right now. We'll get into other scumbags later. Don't you worry. Kenneth Copeland, dirty as they come. And Kenneth Copeland is going to tell us why we don't even need to question anything that the president is doing, because that sounds healthy. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? Right. Just let him do his thing. Don't question him. God's chosen. You'd think that was insane if I said it, but I'll just go ahead and let Ken. Kenny boy, Kenny boy. The hypocrisy, the hypocrisy is calling. I still, even though I've laid hands on him and prayed for him, and I know a lot about his background, and I have, I have, have, intimate connection with him, and I know things. Now, I would be an ass if I paused right here in the middle of what he was saying here to begin to parse his words and talk about how kind of weird and creepy they are. And I am just that ass. Uh, so here's what I'm going to do as I parse these words. So, in Christian speak, I know a lot of Christians know what this means, but he's laid hands on him, and he's got intimate knowledge of him. Intimate intimate knowledge of him. Now you may be saying, Stuart, you're pulling this a little bit too far here. You're going a little too far with what you're saying. And my answer is, oh, you're wrong. Oh, you're wrong. This is just setting up our seeds. The seeds. <laughs> Not sp Oh, God. <laughs> uh, this is just setting up the further evangelical horniness for Trump that we're going to hear furthermore. But I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Kenneth Copeland. Let me... Let you go ahead and just be disgusted. I still, even though I've laid hands on him and prayed for him, and I know a lot about his background, and I have, I have, have intimate connection with him, and I know things. And this is the reason I know, I, I can see that, I, I see and hear the lies. And people don't understand why he does what he does. 
Why don't he get in there and attack them people? Why, why don't he do all of this? That's none of your business. It's our business to pray. Yeah, that's right. So if I'm really just tracking here with good old Ken, it's not our job to ask any questions or ever question anything that the president is doing essentially because he's God's chosen one. It's only our job to pray for him. So essentially stop thinking Christians, just take your mind out because you've been doing that on Sunday mornings for a long time. It's not your job to think it's just your job to pray and mindlessly follow after the orange Messiah. Yeah. It's that gross. And we're getting into that, that, that visceral area of grossness within Christianity and how they continue, how they continue to try and justify and justify their love and faith in Trump. And I will say this, it is a love and it is a faith in Trump. In many ways, I feel like he is their Messiah that has come. Because Jesus, I mean, Jesus ain't around. I mean, he's he's on two different Netflix specials right now. But like but literally looking around right now, no, no, we don't have a Jesus to look at. Oh, but Trump, you've seen him in shorts. There's plenty to look at. Mmm, chunky. But really, you can see it. You can hear it. He speaks your outrage. He speaks your hate. He speaks your language. Which might I remind you? Does not sound like the language of Jesus. <laughs> Hence the point of the Christian crazy. So let's descend further into Christian horniness. It'll be fun. And you don't even have to wear protection. Now let's move to Robert Henderson, who is an author, prophet, whatever words people in those circles like to give themselves as titles. That guy. Robert Henderson is talking on, <laughs> on again, the Jim Baker show about some special dreams. Actually, three dreams that he had about President Trump. We're going we're gonna to move into this, this realm where we hear two different people talking about their fantasies and dreams with Trump. Again, I don't see it, but you know, maybe he is lighting someone's fire. But uh, yes, Robert Henderson is having some dreams about his time with Trump. We'll hear a little bit about it because it's... <laughs> this is based on three dreams that I had beginning in 2016 okay. when President Trump was still running in the Republican primary. Mm -hmm. March of 2016, I was in Germany, and in my dream, Donald Trump came to me. Oh, he actually, he actually called me on the phone in my dream. My mm -hmm. wife was with me in Germany. Yes. He called me on the phone in my dream, and he said, I need for you to do a conference on July the 6th to shift things concerning the election for me. And I woke up, and I told my wife, I said... So if this was a soup, and I would taste it, I would say, hmm, there's, there's a little hint of basil, oregano, and sexual repression. Uh, I'm glad that he did mention that he, as soon as he woke up, told his wife about it because I didn't do nothing, honey. It was just my dreams. Donald Trump came to me, and that's what he did. No, okay, I'm just being silly here. But the best part, the best part, so I was just setting that up there. The best part is there are three dreams, but really the third one because, I mean, marching to 2020, we really need to know what's going on, and this will help us. It will help us greatly. Because 
Mike Pence is Trump's running mate, but he's not Trump's spiritual running mate. The third dream, the third dream was after his inauguration, like a week after his inauguration. And he comes to me in, his, in the third dream and he says, I want you to be my running mate for 2020. And when I woke up, Ooh. I thought, why, why am I dreaming about this? And the Lord said, because what I intend to do through him, it'll take two terms to do. Mm. And so I've, I've, so I've been, since that point, I, I knew he wasn't asking me to be his vice president. <laughs> right. um, but, but I knew that he was, God was asking me to run in the spirit with him. Yes. And so wow. that's what I've been doing for the last three plus years, running in the spirit with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just running in the spirit, Donald. I'm just running there. I'm just with you, Donald. Just see me, Don. Is I'm pretty sure that we need to alert um, the Secret Service. I think Donald has a stalker, and no, I'm not stalking him. I am. I'm absolutely his spiritual running mate. His spiritual running mate. Seriously, people. Good lord. <laughs> what? What? Yeah. And speaking, speaking of someone else who had some dreams about Donald. I will not comment about the humidity of those dreams. But someone else having dreams about Donald <laughs> seems to be. <laughs> he's such a, such a hunky man. Such a hunky man. It's hard not to have dreams. And if you're having dreams in the spirit, it doesn't count. It's not real. It doesn't count. It's not a sin. It's not a sin. I'm going to shut up right now and keep going. You know, Sid, I had a dream at the beginning of 2019 where I was escorted into the White House. And as I walked into the White House, I realized that I had had an appointment with Donald Trump. I walked into his office, and when I walked into his office, he was staring in the mirror. And it really shook me because who looked back at him was Abraham Lincoln. And as Abraham Lincoln looked back at Donald, Abraham Lincoln said, What the are you doing, you racist son of a bitch? You're ruining America. Actually, no, that's probably not what he said. Not my dream, not my dream, not my dream. But what is this? What is this within, within Christianity where they have found their new... Good Lord. I mean, they have found their new Messiah in him. And, and we do this not just to make fun. It is plenty of fun to make fun of him. But I, I, I want to begin to then delve into this. And, and I, I mentioned earlier, if you're just tuning in, this is going to kind of be a two-part episode where we begin to talk about the, uh, what has happened within evangelical Christianity surrounding Trump and how this is also very, very well connected to uh, what's going on in Iran right now. And it is scary and it is sick. And the reason I have just spent roughly half an hour making fun of a lot of these asshats is the fact that you need to be able to see how scary and weird and sick the people are that are speaking to the present. A lot of these folks um, are part of Trump's base. Some of them are part of his uh, evangelistic kind of prayer circle, heads of protection circle, whatever he does. I don't know. Yes, they're, they're, they're part that are propping him up, especially in the eyes of the evangelicals. And, and we begin to see this, and we begin to see, like, any rational human being saying, what the what? Like, huh-huh? Like, th- none of this makes sense. This is crazy French stuff, right, Stuart? No, it's not. Need I remind you that uh, 80% of white evangelicals voted for Trump in the last election. And that isn't changing very much. That isn't changing. No, no, no. 
And Trump continues to ride this wave and continuing to speak to this group that in large part is his base. So we can't just throw stones at Donald Trump without throwing stones also at the same time at his enablers. And there are many enablers for Trump. And I mention this not to be able to say that Trump is an absolutely horrible president and a disgusting human being. That is already fact. We know that. And I'm not mentioning this because I just have animus towards Trump. I do, but not in this argument that we're having here. I mention this simply because of what he has done and actually what Christianity has willingly let him do to their witness, to the watching world around them. Now, let me rephrase what I'm saying here. It's not Trump's fault. And I'm not even talking about Trump as being just a disgusting, horrible person or a terrible president. I'm not even talking about that. My issue is how the church has sold itself out for power and a seat at his table, and his table meaning Trump's table. We've talked about this before, but this continues to get to an area that is, is more and more frightening, and we continue to see the church march towards death quicker here in America. And now when I say that, I talk about the institutional church, the structure of the church, not the people of God necessarily, but in America we have a hard time being able to distinguish between words, that words can have multiple meanings, that the church can be a building and an institution, but the church can also mean, when you read scripture, the people of God. And the problem is the institution of the church is part and parcel, is, is wholeheartedly, by and large, behind Donald Trump. And that is why we talk about this on the show. This isn't a Trump-bashing show. Though if I get a chance, oh, we're going to do it because it fits. So now let's go ahead and we're going to move to a few articles. We're going to be able to talk about some changes that are happening here and abroad um, in regards to Trump and his type of uh, populism and nationalism on the global scale as well. So this next bit is going to come from... Um, it's going to come from The Guardian. Um, Guardian, in an article called, He Was Sent to Us at Church Rally Evangelicals Worship God and Trump by Richard uh, Luscombe. And what had happened, just to give you guys a little bit of background context, January 3rd in Miami, uh, Trump was speaking before Evangelicals for Trump Coalition. Um, they had a launch at the King Jesus International Mystery, Ministry, probably Mystery, uh, Ministry in Miami on January 3rd. And the article says this, an estimated 7,000 supporters of faith packed the King Jesus International Ministry megachurch in Miami to hear the word of the president and decided that it was good. The MAGA hat wearing faithful cheered Trump's comments on issues that calculated uh, to resonate with his church-going audience, including abortion, freedoms of speech and religion, and what he claimed was a crusade from Democrats against religious tolerance. Quote, my administration will never stop fighting for Americans of faith, Trump said at the conclusion of an <laughs> often freewheeling 75-minute speech. Quote, we will restore the faith as the true foundations of American life. Trump also gloated, about Thursday's military strike that took out Iranian General Soleimani in Baghdad. Quote, it was a flawless strike that eliminated a terrorist ringleader, he said, insisting the killing would have saved lives of hundreds and hundreds of Americans. So, 
Um, let's just kind of just begin to look at this. Um, this is also, I will note that I read in other articles, a rally where the evangelicals were chanting, lock her up. Speaking of Hillary Clinton, in the midst of this, what this has to do with God or Jesus or anything else, it's beyond you and me. But in their world, it matters. Because apparently Hillary Clinton is Satan, and we need to lock her up. Yes, this is all going on at a church. At a church. The rally for evangelicals. Which should mean followers of Jesus. Where we have the president touting his killing of a terrorist. Now, Suleimani was a war criminal. But, let me think. Trump, war criminals. Wait, is it? Is it me? Or did Trump just pardon a bunch of war criminals that were American, that our own military had decided were disgusting and horrible and had done atrocities. But Trump said, no, 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 I'm going to pardon you guys. Okay, so Trump pardons some war criminals so they can come and follow him around on his campaign trail. But we're supposed to applaud the other war criminals that he wants to kill, or has killed. Yes. Yes. Military presence, speaking of military presence and political nationalism from inside a church, where people are chanting things that don't even belong to be said in a church. And I know oftentimes people say it goes off the deep and we begin to talk about uh, Hitler and the rise of Hitler, but I will remind you that a large amount of the German church stood behind Hitler and his rise to power. And they warped that populism, that nationalism, and they warped it to fit somehow within Christianity. How it fits within Christianity is never, never made any sense to me. So essentially, I think you just take the anity and move forward with that and just take Christ out is kind of how that works with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yes, this isn't a Trump rally. This was a rally for evangelicals at a church where this is going on, where he has faith leaders laying hands on him, praying for him. Are we kind of letting this sink in and begin to say, like, wait, wait, what? What? Oh, also, you want me to tell you something else? This is great. This is, again, one of my, this is one of my triggers. Triggered! So here's one of my triggers here. Also at this rally, um, Trump had said that his job is to defend religion itself because religion is under siege. And Trump wants to return. He said this. Okay, quote. Very soon, I'll be taking an action to safeguard students and teachers' First Amendment rights to pray in our schools. They want to take that right along with many others. They and others. Trump speaks in vagaries because he doesn't even know what he's talking about. But Trump wants to put, and this is something that has been used by, by Christians for a long time, to be able to push back against popularized or secular culture. 
is that we need to be able to get prayer back in schools. Now, what does that mean? Like, I have always said, this is, this is one of the dumbest statements I've heard from Christians. Any Christian pastor, anyone who want to talk to me about this, I will tell you, it is a moronic, idiotic, stupid statement that we need to get prayer back in schools because simply this matter. Okay, think about this. Just, let's just take this logically. For those out there that listen to the show that pray, can you pray anywhere? Can you pray anywhere? Like if I just sit there silently in contemplation praying to God, I can pray anywhere. Like there's no like weird like prayer detector that, that teachers in schools now wear where they can say, hey, Johnny, Johnny, I see your head's, your head is bowed and your eyes are closed and your hands are doing that little this is the church and this is the steeple thing. Open the doors and hear all the people. You're praying, Johnny. Detention! No, that doesn't make any sense. So this idea that they took prayer out of schools, what? What does that even mean? How do you take prayer out of anywhere? Huh? Oh, forced prayer. Oh, group prayer. Oh, oh, because, you know, we do that in churches a lot on Sundays, which I've always found is weird. Where we treat prayers like oratory, like little speeches. Everyone bow their heads and I'm going to give you a prepared, lofty message with my eyes closed. It'll sound, oh, heavenliest of fathers and the heavenliest of realms. Do listen down upon us, your meager followers. We love you. Yeah, I'm mocking this, and I am, because I think it, I should be mocked. Because the real prayers of his people, the real prayers of God's people, sound like the words of everyday's people. God, help me. Where do I go? What do I do? What do I need? God, show up. God, I need to see you in this place. It's, it's, it's not these lofty, ridiculous prayers that we've been taught that happen during church services. So this idea that I know his base is going to love that he is going to put prayers back in school. It is foolish. It is stupid. But foolish and stupid encompass him and his followers very well. And I say that, and many of you may say that sounds harsh, but I'm just saying is use your friggin' brains, people. Use your friggin' brains. Christianity has survived in areas of mass persecution in areas where they're not even allowed to have church buildings. <gasps> but it still survives. But what about the prayer in schools? How can they? Yes. Because God is with people. And we don't need these public shows of piety to be able to bring that back. And if anything Donald Trump knows is how to give fake and empty shows of piety towards his base. So... What we are seeing here in America, and why I bring all this up, we see one, we see one, a church that has by and large forgotten its purpose. And why do I say that? Well, because we see that much of the church is standing behind Trump. And they'll say, we vote for him because he does things for us. No, no, no. But this has become almost a cult. Not almost a cult. It is a cult. 
And when we begin to see that, when we begin to see that the church is putting its faith in a man, a man that doesn't embody any of the faith or the tenets of Jesus. And, and, and I bring some of this up, too, because we're going to be, in our part two, delving more into what's going on in Iran and why that matters. But first of all, let me tell you this. I hate social media. I'm on it because it's a tool and to keep track of people. But by and large, I'm, I'm not a huge fan. If you know the show, we do not have the greatest social media presence <laughs> just because I don't have the stomach for it. Um, and also, I just think it's weird just try to brag to everyone to listen to the show. So whoever listened to the show, who has found the show, great. I'm glad you do. I appreciate you. But I, I, was, I was watching this, this transpire over the weekend after, the, um, after Soleimani's uh, assassination, and this was done by a pastor that I know, and um, he posted, this is, this is on, it was on Facebook, and so he had posted something about a call for peace, and, and he was bringing back the, the, really some of the ethics of kind of uh, the Quakers uh, and about pacifism and, and why that we need to be people that push for peace and not war and conflict. And what erupted, as you can imagine, uh, was uh, just this like verbal diarrhea of arguments within people that hadn't even read the article, as does social media. And also what you begin to see was people that are trying to make arguments, but they're also not all making the same arguments, which is also just a sign of lack of intelligence in many ways, where the only way for you to feel like you can win the argument is to start a new argument and then declare that you won. And as I was watching this, it was, it was just a sad, sad thing um, with a few people trying to really push back against like a lot of these hateful people because people are saying, oh, people in Iran are not humans. They uh, all deserve to be killed. They're doing this and that and the other. Da 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 da. And it was just and it was disgusting because I knew these people were people that 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 regularly attend church. And to be able to see people that would say or sing to Jesus on a Sunday, and sing to God about their love, their love for God, and that that memorize and quote scriptures that pass out Bibles and declare Jesus as Lord. These people that love to do this. We're also talking about large groups of people, other nationalities as being like subhuman. And I, and I kept seeing people trying to argue this just because sometimes in these situations, it's not worth arguing because it's just not. You know, mentioning people are made in God's image. Well, but because they've done this, da 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 da, da. and then mentioning the words of Jesus. I, I wasn't getting involved. This I only did towards the end to help a friend out a little bit, and just for me, just to be an ass and stir the pot with people that like to get mad. Because at that point, I just needed to amuse myself. But ultimately, it made me very sad and depressed to be able to see people that would that would claim that they are Christian, people that would claim that they are the people of God, being able to be excited about the death of someone standing behind the president wholeheartedly, defending him, but not really defending the words of Jesus. 
And this is a problem. This is, this is the problem that we have that is continuing to grow. And it's something that's been, it's been on my heart. And I think I've talked about this on the show before, but it's the fact that almost like we need to come up with new words. Because Christianity doesn't make any sense anymore. It's, it's, they've taken the Christ out of it, and I don't really know what it is. But the more I, I see folks like this, and, I, and, I, and again, I will, I, I will be very careful to say this, is that this is not all of Christianity. This is not all of Christianity. But when we, when we see articles that talk about the church in America is dying. And those that are the faithful push back against secular culture. They will say it's secular culture that's leading people away from God. It's the colleges, it's liberals, it's higher education leading people away from God. Actually, it's the followers of Jesus that are leading people away from God. It's the followers of Jesus that have forgotten how to love, how to be compassionate. It's, 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 it's those followers of Christ and their faith leaders that have forgotten how to be humble and full of grace and, and civil. It, it is these people that have, that have lost the absolute heart of the gospel because they really just want to recapture culture. They want to control women's bodies. They want to control morality, their version of morality. When they say they want religious liberty, they want their religious liberty and not that for other people. See, the big thing we have to remember about this, and this starts mm, very early, very early in the, in the creation narrative, is simply this. Is one of these core tenets of Christianity is this idea of free will. So is Christianity about controlling people, about forcing people, about molding and, and subjugating people? No, it's not. No, it's not. And as we kind of generally start to, to land part one of our episode, talking about what's going on within the heart of Christianity right now, I'm, I'm going to quote from another uh, article I read from The Guardian. And... Uh, this is the Guardian view on the rise of Christian native populism and a troubling sign of things to come. This is an editorial they had a, a couple weeks back. And they begin by saying this, uh, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither, neither free a slave nor free. There is no male or, and female. For you are all one in Jesus Christ. These words written by St. Paul 2,000 years ago are central to the Christian faith. And they speak of a vocation for the universal and point to an ethic of social justice and solidarity. The Christian's tradition's account of the humble circumstances of the birth of Jesus represented in the nativity scene is the same spirit identifying Christ with the marginal, the maligned, and the poor. What we're seeing here, where we're at uh, in America, there's also problems happening abroad. The article touches on the fact that in Poland, the Law and Justice Party was reelected uh, with the enthusiastic backing of the country's Catholic establishment. It made a demonstration of the LGBT people a key part of the autumn election campaign. In doing so, it received active assistance from the archbishop who warned voters that a rainbow plague had replaced the red plague, which blighted the country in the communist era. 
We're beginning to see things like this happening in Hungary. We're seeing the rise of this Christian populist movement that has nothing to do with Jesus. And we can even see this in the fact where, and hold on to yourself for this one, where recently Trump was even calling out Mayor Pete Buttigieg's faith, saying that he only got his faith recently, which, when it comes to Trump, that is a rich statement. But it doesn't matter because his followers are following him. And as followers are following him, we definitely know they're not following Jesus. So that is a very troubling place that we find ourselves in. For evangelical America, who helped elect this scourge, continues to proclaim Jesus and proclaim Trump. Now, I'm not a person to even get into end times speak because I think it is a waste. I have, I have frustrated <laughs> the religious with this before in the past, but my idea is the gospel tells me to be very dialed in with right now to help people that need help now. What happens in the, in the end? What happens in the end times? I don't give a crap. I just know I have work to do now. But to use some of those eschatological terms, Trump feels very antichrist. I'm not saying he's the Antichrist, but he seems very anti-Christ. We look at that word, how it's even put together. He's very anti the things of Jesus. And we see the rise. We see the rise of this happening. We see the rise of fascism in Europe. And in many ways, how it's moving here, we see whispers of civil war that are happening here. And who's whispering civil war? Trump's followers are whispering civil war. The evangelicals are whispering civil war. So in our part two to this, we're going to delve deeper into this idea of theocracy. Theocracy and how a lot of Trump's subordinates are pushing that. And then we're going to hop deeper into Iran. Not even speaking about this politically. We're going to speak about this evangelically. And especially for those that are in Trump's ear, that are pushing this. Because many of them see this as a sign of the times. Many of them see this as an opportunity to somehow trigger the second coming of Jesus. Like Jesus is sitting around waiting for like something to happen. Like, and then like the, the red light goes on in heaven. Oh, all right, time to go, dad. Going back down to earth. Second coming time. See ya. Mm-hmm. It's scary. It's scary. But thank you for being a part of this for this hour, whatever this is, <laughs> whatever this craziness is that we do here at Snarky Faith. Um, if you want to catch this, this broadcast or past podcast, you can always find us at www.snarkyfaith.com. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. And, uh, and as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, too, I love to hear from you guys, whether you think I'm crazy, whether you want to call me a heretic, or whether you want to have a good conversation. Uh, send me a message at questions at snarkyfaith.com. I welcome all of it. But as I send you out for the first time in this year of 2020, I continue to tell you to be vigilant, to be sober, to be aware of what is happening. 
I continue to tell you to call a spade a spade and call out crap when you see it, especially if it's in the name of Jesus. So as we end this broadcast, let me send you out the holiest amount of faith and snark and peace. I'm out of here. Catch you next week. WCOM is listener-supported community radio, and snarky faith is only possible through our sponsors. Lumen, a spiritual community of seekers, sojourners, question askers, doubters, and skeptics, is a collective of fellow travelers that embrace the truth that all of life is sacred, hope is real, and tomorrow can be a better day than today. All are welcome. You can find more information at www.lumencommunities.com.